Welcome back, guys. This podcast is brought to you by RPG Coffee Company, a veteran-owned and operated socially responsible coffee company born to support members of the military, law enforcement, and firefighting communities by donating 50% of their profits. The true secret to living is giving. And don't forget to join the RPG Coffee Club today. Don't wait until you run out. Stay ready to rock by having RPG Coffee delivered straight to your door each month with our coffee club. All right, folks, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Bucks of America podcast. Uh, thank you for tuning in. I really greatly appreciate this. Uh, tonight's guest is Martin Erner, and he has created a, a, a unique following on Facebook, on YouTube, and he's just built up a nice platform for everything. And, I, and he's trying to... Um, build a legacy of being a father, a devoted husband, a combat veteran, most of all, an outdoor enthusiast. And uh, he created Enter Iowa Outdoors to be a showcase for Iowa's great, great outdoors to offer, to, to has to offer to show people to bring here. I myself, I'm an Iowegian. I love it. It's like, I'm from, I'm from Mitchell County. So I'm just a few hours North, but I cut my teeth on the backwoods of Iowa from small game fish, small game hunting to, to fish and cat in the Cedar River. So it's like, I just, it's, it's, it's nice to bring on uh, people from my home state and such. Even though I reside in Wisconsin, I'm always being an Iowa boy at heart. Now, Martin, man, when you and I just started talking, so you, you, you were just pull, packed full of energy. And what I want you to do is just like, man, just tell us about who you like your your um, beginning and then we'll middle, and then we'll get to the end at the end. Yeah, absolutely, Jeff. Um, first of all, thanks for having me on the on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm glad we were able to uh, to link up, and I'm glad we were uh, we were able to do this tonight. Uh, I know both you and I have a pretty busy schedule, and I'm you know I'm I'm just over I'm I'm elated to to be on the to be on the show tonight. Um, first of all, um, when I was when I was really young, uh, I was I was actually born in the Philippines. Uh, to a American dad and a Filipino uh, mother, and my dad brought me back to the states. And because of his military obligations, uh, I wasn't able to spend a whole lot of time with him. So I ended up being um, a a a ward of my grandparents. Basically, okay. uh, my grandparents my grandparents brought me up um, as a child, and I think I'm half the reason they. Uh, they passed so so early. I think I, I think I wore them out. Um, I was I was always in the outdoors as a child. It uh-huh. was it was one of those things that they could not keep me in the house. Um, from from the time I I showed up in the states when I was eighteen months old um, until I joined the military, uh, my grandmother was always you know dragging me back into the house because you know I had to clean up or and go to church or go to Awana's club. Or, you know, something like that. So, you know, she would literally throw me in the bathtub and scrub me from head to toe and say, okay, well, now, now you got to go do human things. You know, I, I, I almost grew up feral. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I, I know what you mean because, like, when I grew up in, in northern Iowa, we li- I lived out on a farm until 97. But it's mm-hmm. like we I had the Cedar River within a walking distance. I had yep. 14 acres of wooded land. Never got to hunt it because the land the landowner – it wasn't a hunter and plus it's like he did a lot of things throughout the year to maintain his property so it's like yep. he didn't want to it's just it's just like it was his it was his sanctuary essentially what he created for and yeah. uh I, I it's like i still i miss it every time it's like I, I, my dream is to one day 
buy that property just because of where it sets, the land it sets on, and it's just it's like it's it's away from everybody. So it's like you can you can become a hermit. The only downside is the property sold for like three hundred and fifty k here back oh, in like twenty seventeen or twenty sixteen. So it's it's but it's it's Iowa land. It's like you you buy yeah. a house in town for eighty k, but if you want to buy something outside of ta- outside of any town. You're looking at several hundred thousand, but you know oh, yeah. we'll see what all happens. It's, it's, it's about yeah. all luck. Yeah, especially especially if it's you know a, a wooded river bottom or something like that. I mean, it's 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 going to be pretty hard for you to <laughs> to grab that piece of property because it goes for prime it goes for a prime price uh, in Iowa because everybody knows we got the big bucks here. <laughs> oh yes, oh yes, yes. Uh, the only thing is that it's like when you look at uh, uh, field and stream when it comes down to the biggest bucks, Wisconsin currently holds the record at number one for the most produced. So it's like, but Iowa's still a top three. Because yep, it goes really Iowa, are. Minnesota, and there goes Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Iowa. So it's like, but I still root for Iowa because, man, there's some monster yep. bucks that come out of Iowa, especially this year uh, off of public land and such. It's like, it was just insane for how many bucks that would pop up on my feed just from Iowa alone. I mean, yeah. just like everybody was having a heck of a year. We didn't have a whole lot of rain. We didn't have a whole lot of snow. I mean, we still don't have a whole lot of snow. I mean, we just got done with the blizzard. But here in La Crosse, we maybe got four inches of snow. I have no idea what you ended up with. Yeah, we we ended up with about we ended up with about three inches here and 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 in the Amanas. Oh, that's so, That's not yep. horrible at all. It's just enough to make driving uncomfortable. Yeah. Also, I work for a. Uh, I, I have I have I have like so many jobs. I'm I'm like this jack of all trades kind of deal. I work for okay. a I work for a landscaping company that uh, does tree work, and we were really busy after the storm uh, went through. And uh, I, I'm I'm actually a climber for that company for L Miller Landscaping here in the Amanas. Uh, if anybody out there knows Lucas Miller, yep, that's who I work for. Um, and we uh we also do snow removal. So I was. Uh, I was called at about two thirty this morning to go out and uh, plow snow, and I've been mm-hmm. up since then. <laughs> oh and, man, uh, you've been busy. Actually, I'm, I'm getting ready to. Uh, I'm actually loading the truck tonight, and uh, me and Jesse, my my fishing partner, we're actually headed up to Clear Lake to go uh, to go chase the yellow bass on Clear Lake tonight. Still, we're gonna go up there and uh, probably sleep over in the at, at the ramp in the truck, and yeah, we're gonna go. Go out there for the morning bite and see if we can't chase some yellow bass around Clear Lake. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I, it's yeah. like I have not gone ice fishing on uh, Clear Lake because it's like uh, I mostly majority of the time when I go there, I hit up Crystal, Rice, uh, Silver Lake, uh, Cedar River. So it's like I'm just pounding all those lakes all, all through that area. The Lake Mills, too. Yeah, we won't be too far away from any of those when we're up in Clear Lake. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. So if you, you yep. get bored of one spot, it's like the nice thing is that you just clear. Yep. Uh, but my dad was telling me, though, with Silver Lake, though, that since there was there wasn't a lot of rain this season, it's, the water's really low. And so I'm yep. not sure what's all going on with that. And then come to find out here uh, right around Thanksgiving, my dad was, yeah, I have a whole ice fishing kit. It's like, what? <laughs> it's like this is left field, but it's like he's 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 sixty seven years old. It's like it's just it's just not for him. It's like if if he if he can't ride out there in a car or a truck, it's like he just doesn't want to risk it because he's got unstable knees and he yep. just doesn't want to put himself in jeopardy. Yeah, yep. We uh we well, one of our one of our sponsors is Custom Jigs and Spins, and they've been they've been with us since Enter uh, I Was Outdoors was in its infancy. Actually, um, mm-hmm. I, I know the owners really well because they live. Or they their shop is right here in Coralville, which is about 18 miles from my back door. Um, oh, awesome! In the Amanas, so I know Walt uh, Walt Matan and uh, Bob Gillespie really well, and we've cool. gone fishing with them. We've uh, we were actually my fishing partner and I were guest stars in their latest commercial with some of the newest jigs that they came out. We actually put them out on yeah. the lake 
and uh, we, we got them a good spot that we ice fish a lot, and uh, we caught a bunch of good fish, and we did a show for Midwest Outdoors, um, and yeah, we, we filmed a commercial, and yeah, that kind of solidified our relationship with them, and ever since then, they've been on the Enter Iowa's Outdoors bandwagon, man, and we go out, we catch some real big fish for them, too, through the ice, and yeah, we couldn't, we really couldn't do it without them, because they, they make some of the best baits under the ice right now, and we're, we're really, we're really happy to be with them, and they, like I said, they just, they help us a ton. Uh, Walt has uh, a cabin up in Wisconsin that he's loaned out to us before, and um, we, uh, we fish a lot of local stuff here in Iowa because, you know, we are an Iowa-based uh, outdoors page, and we kind of want to showcase more and more of Iowa. But we do, do oh, I'm losing you. I'm losing you, brother. End up going to, like, uh, Kansas um, to uh, do some catfish. So the before you continue for too far on, I lost about third about about yeah. five seconds of what you were saying. So you, you can you start before you said Kansas, so this way the audi- audience can hear that. Oh, did I lose you again? Yep, I'm losing you. Yeah, I'm losing you, brother. You came in kind of broken there. Yeah, it's likewise same with you too. It's like you're not, you just don't have enough. Uh, uh, service because it's, it's it's cutting in and out. Are are you there, Jeff? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay, um, go go ahead again. I I that was really broken. I couldn't understand you very well. No, no problems. Nobody could, nobody could hear you. The one of us who the audio okay. was just all cutting yeah. out. So I think you're just just a hair low on service. But the thing is, yep. when you use uh when you zoom on your cell phone, it does record. It does eat up a lot of resources. Yeah, I was. Uh, I actually switched from my Wi-Fi to my actual service because right now my Wi-Fi is going low and my uh, my 4G is actually full. So <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's fantastic. You know, that's what I like about Zoom is that it provides a better stability over some things. And it's only, I only pay 15 bucks a month for it. So a nice thing is it it, it helps with bringing in long distance because like I have my some of my I used to live down in Tumwa and Centerville, Iowa. So it's like, but now I have my best friend lives in. Uh, uh, Oskaloosa, Iowa. So it's like I had to go right by your area all the like. I usually go like this year. I went there back in May, and then I also went down in December because they need they they shot a couple of uh, deer and their butcher stopped butchering. So it's like I was just kind of I was coming down to hang out, and then I just got lucky to be able to help mm-hmm. them out. So yeah. as payment, I got my fair share of uh, a good amount of deer. There you go. <laughs> But anyways, you know, um, we can follow up with you saying something about before Kansas. You said you were going up to you'd sometimes go up to Wisconsin because one yep. of the, one of your sponsors would loan out the cabin. So yep. where else do you travel besides just Iowa and, and Wisconsin? Um, we uh, uh, we go we go to Kansas. Obviously, we go to we go to um, Lake Milford. Um, Milford is where we ended up uh, sticking a lot of those big those big blue catfish uh, that we have up on the, uh, the page. Um, okay. we, we like to, we like to chase the blue cat bite, um, because obviously they grow really big and they fight really well. And, yeah, uh, they, do. they, they definitely make for good pictures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, yeah you know, instead of, instead of a fish, you have to, you, you have to hold with both hands. You actually have to hold these fish with both arms. <laughs> you're literally, you're literally holding a child in your hand, but the, the, yeah. the catfish is like 40 years old. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they get old and they get big and boy, those, those blues are ornery too. I mean, you, you want to talk about channels. Honestly, for me, I, I, I like to catch channels. Um, I think channels are some of the, the pound for pound, 
if if channels got as big as blues, people would forget what blues are. Um, right. Because channels, from the time you hook them till the time you let them go, they're they're fighting you the entire way. Yes. <laughs> yes, I know. I've I've lost um, fishing poles fishing off the Cedar River because it's like I'd get a get a just launch get a, get a nice fat piece of uh, chicken liver. And huck it right out there at sun at sundown, and yep. I'd be going. I'd, I'd have it out of the corner of my eye, and next thing I know, it's like there it goes in the water. It's like shit. Dad, I lost I've, another pole. <laughs> I've lost my fair share of poles before, and you know that's that's part of the learning curve. Sometimes, you know, it, it it really is. A lot of people. Well, here, here's the thing: when we when we target channels, I'm also a guide. Um, I guide on uh, Coralville. I guide on the Cedar here in Cedar Rapids. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, every, and I wouldn't really call myself a guide to go to Milford, um, but, you know, every now and then we, we take a couple people down there, you know, for free, and we have a fun time. We take veterans down there, and, uh, man, they just have a blast, and, you know, that was that was part of what NRI Was Outdoors evolved into after mm-hmm. it, you know, it came. I, I started it as a legacy for my kids. I wanted them to be able to look back on these videos and be like, okay, well, I forgot how to do this. Maybe dad made a video of it. And sure enough, mm-hmm. boom, there it is. You know, or I, I you know, I, I want to look back on, or my kids would want to look back on a trip that I took with them. Mm-hmm. You know, some of those videos I take autumn with me or Avery, or, you know, I take the dog with me. I take Drake with me all the time, mm-hmm. you know, and he, he's a pretty good fishing partner. And I want them to look back on him and be like, that was my dad. You know, that, that's what he did. He loved it. And he loved taking us. You know, and that that's part of it. You know, I want to I want to grow this future generation of, of outdoors people. And it went from that into a Facebook page. And then the Facebook page took off because people really liked what we were doing. Um, mm-hmm. We would share information. We would share tips. Um, we would obviously we promote our sponsors, which is part of it. You know, being a being a pro staff isn't, you know, being a professional. It's being a promotional person. You know, you got to yes. promote your, the people that help you out. and. Uh, so we used it to promote our, uh, our, the people that support us and then, you know, the YouTube channel. And then all of a sudden it turned into a full-time guide service for me. Um, people started, you know, calling me up and saying, Hey, can you take me and my kid out? You know, we haven't caught that many fish before. We don't know what we're doing really. And we want you to take us out and, you know, teach us something. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And for the first year, we actually did it for free. Because oh, we wanted awesome. to see, yeah, we wanted to kind of gauge what the uh, what the interest was there. Because we, you know, obviously, you know, here in Iowa, we're not a fishing destination, and that's where that's where these guides um, at these places make their bread. You know, mm-hmm. like guides on Milford or down in Alabama, or you know, places with really big catfish up there on uh, the Red River in North Dakota. Some of mm-hmm. the biggest channel mm-hmm. cats caught in America um, come out of there. Yeah, yeah, and you know. We're not exactly a destination, but I had so much interest that my wife looked at me and said, you know what? You're really good at this. Why don't you and Jesse start a guide service? And I'm like, okay, well, let's do that. So I went out and I got the, I I got, you know, in Iowa, guides are unregulated. So we didn't have to get a license or anything like that, but we did have to get insurance. Okay. You know, so we, we carry a, we carry a, a policy with insurance and we started guiding out of my boat. Um, and it's kind of blossomed into this, you know, this this outdoor community of people that, uh, you know, they love to go out and catfish. And, you know, a lot a lot of people think that catfishing is such an idle sport. Um, they think that you go out, 
you know, either on the, and it can be, it's just like anything. It could be as, uh, as expensive or as cheap as you want it to be, you know, Very true. That with, with ice fishing, with hunting, with fishing, with, you know, hiking, camping, you know, all that stuff. You could go out and rough it, or you could go out and buy a camper, you know, it, it's, yes. it's all up to you. And it comes down to your your income it comes down to your income level, but also comes yeah. down to your experience too. Because like as we progress through our any, any of our hobbies, like I have, I'm looking. I got six poles, seven poles here that I'm staring at. I got yeah. high end firearms, so it's like you you, you want to buy quality because we've all started out cheap, and it's like eventually like got a few more bucks here. I can save up and buy a nicer yep. lose or, or a Mondo cat. Uh, catfishing rod from out of nebraska there so it's like there's you know you just go for it but then again if you want to go after big cats you have to you have to put the investment in yeah absolutely and you know that big that big cat that i have on my uh, my profile picture down there that was a 63 pound blue and you know i I don't know if i'd be able to pull that thing in on a on a you know a walmart tiger rod i've seen people do it but if you don't need it you don't need that nice casking reel, but I'll tell you what, it sure helps. <laughs> yes, it, it sure does. helps to have that smooth drag, that freaking, that, uh, that really good rod. Um, it helps to have all that because you can actually feel that quality in your hand. When you're, mm-hmm. when you're fighting that big fish, you feel the quality of that rod. Cause when that rod, when that fish takes that run or he shakes his head trying to get that circle hook out of the side of his mouth, he, you know, that, that rod, that equipment is there to you know help you make up for your mistakes <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. man um, i i have a we had a friend of mine that i grew up with he, he was the one that taught me how to do his, his nickname was literally catfish his name yep. was larry fisher and he was he would come up to uh to my campground and that's where my my dad's known knew him for decades and it's but then, like then when i finally came when it's like when i started fishing and go hanging out with them it's like he would take me on his boat and that's what we would do and we, we'd have bets and stuff like that but he would you you two would get along just great because it's like he is he loves catfish and it's like yeah. then i wish i wish i was able to uh take advantage of his uh his knowledge but he's now since passed on about mm-hmm. 10 15 years ago but and he you would have loved him because he's just he just loves cat he just loves yep. fish in the cedar all up and down the cedar and part of it too is you know one of the things that, you know, really, really irks the crap out of me. And, you know, I I get where both sides are coming from, but at the same time, it's like, we're not going to have people that are enjoying this if we don't help pass it on. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I have, you know, before the guide service, before all that stuff, um, I would, you know, go out and I would take people out for free and show them what we're doing. And like I said, it's not catfishing now is not an idle sport anymore it's not a sit in your boat or sit on the bank and you know cast out there and wait for the fish to come to you we go to the fish for one mm-hmm. and for two what we do is we actually drag baits for them we don't sit there on a brush pile or anything like that and sit and wait for the fish to come to us we drag the baits like we're trolling for walleyes but a lot yeah. slower we do yep. about we do about 0.5 miles an hour about a half a mile an hour and we have these special rigs set up on our rods that we're literally dragging that bait across the bottom really slow. And when that catfish comes up and hits that bait, it feels like he's going to rip the rod off the rod holder. They're aggressive feeders. Yes, they, they really are. are. They're not a very, they're not a really lazy feeder. They will be a lazy feeder. They'll sit there in those deep pools, in those bends, those turns mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And they'll wait for that bait to come to them. But when they're hungry, they will feed all the way through the water column, not just on the bottom, not mm-hmm. just, you know, mm-hmm. dead bait. They'll hit. I, I've caught catfish on bass lures. Yes, I've done yep. that too. I've done yep. it too. And they're they're very aggressive. They'll hit live bait. Some of the biggest channel catfish I've ever caught were on really big 
um, were on really big bluegills. Yes. And, you know, we were out there flathead fishing, and all of a sudden this big channel cat comes up and slams an 8-inch bluegill. <laughs> oh, 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 nice. <laughs> you know, so, and like I said, we, we go out and we, and I, I was taught this technique by a, uh, and I'll even, I'll even plug the, the, the sponsor, but it's not even ours. Um, Whisker Seeker, a, a, a Whisker Seeker pro staffer, um, invited me out to his boat. His name's mm-hmm. Ken Miller. Okay. Um, he lives in Cedar Rapids. Um, he's a really good, really good friend of mine now. Um, he saw that I was doing YouTube um, on NRI Was Outdoors, and he was like, you know what? You need to come out on the boat with me. I was like, okay, I will. And we went out, and he showed me these techniques. It was all for free. I never, I never paid him a dime. He showed me how to do it. And the next year, I actually won a tournament against him. Oh, no kid. That's awesome. <laughs> the, thing is, the thing is, he came up to me at the, after that tournament, and he was like, Martin, I'm so glad you won this tournament. Because, you know, he was, he was more happy that I won because he taught me, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And Jesse, my fishing partner, um, there's another pair of Whisker Seeker Pro staffers here named Troy, uh, Troy and Amy Hansen. Okay. Um, they live down here in the Amanas. He was brought up by them. Um, learning these techniques and stuff and it just so happens jesse and i never knew each other at this time and it just so happens that troy and amy and ken the guy that taught me were fishing partners for tournaments okay and somehow some way you know it's, it's kind of destiny that jesse and i got together and we started you know, fishing as fishing partners. Okay. He was brought up on one side and I was brought up on the other, you know, and we, we came together and yeah, it was just, I want to say it was just, it, it was just such a, a, a fate kind of thing, a destiny kind of thing that we, mm-hmm. that we meet up and we go out and we started enter. I was, and we really kicked off enter. I was outdoors. That's where the wheels really started turning. Um, we started gaining a lot more traction, started gaining a lot more sponsors and you know, that it, it, it's, it's, at where it's at right now yeah. um we picked up ruger mcneil um ruger mcneil is a very good cat fisherman he actually went down and won winter blues on wheeler in uh, 2018 okay um, big big catfish tournament down there won a bunch of money and he's uh he's on with our staff as well and he brought so much knowledge to the group i was i was really impressed with the amount of knowledge he has with blues uh, specifically, you know, a guy from Iowa goes down to Alabama and wins a, wins a blue tournament, you know, <laughs> that's, that's almost unheard of, you know, <laughs> it is, it's tough when you travel. So I know I had a, uh, Chad Anderson on the podcast last spring and he went to the Texacoma, uh, yep. to a tournament there. And he said there were 200 and oh, 260 boats there. It paid out to a hundred, they, they uh, paid out to like 19, the top 19 yeah. uh, uh, boats. He said it was just it was just a lot of fun, extremely challenging because they got like a couple of feet of uh, rain, and then plus everything melting down from up north coming into it really so it really yeah. shifted. He said the biggest cat they caught was something like ninety pounds, yeah, where it's big, normally big. it's still pretty big, but uh, normally that that lake is known to be pushing a hundred and twenty, hundred and fifty. Yep. Yeah, they get they get those those blues. They get real big, and oh, yeah, that, that's one of the biggest reasons we like to go chase them. You know. And, you know, for us, we don't put a whole lot of weight, uh, a whole lot of, you know, we don't put a whole lot of weight into tournaments. Um, mm-hmm. We have, we like going to tournaments. It's one of those things that we like to do for fun as opposed to, oh, we got to go out and beat everybody, you know, and yeah. show everybody we're better than them. 
you know, at, at catfishing. It's, it's not that. We mm-hmm. like to go out and do tournaments because it challenges us. It makes us think. Um, you know, if one of the, some of the best trips that we've ever had, that Jesse and I and Ruger have yeah. ever had, we went to a lake or we, we decided, hey, we've never been to this lake before. Let's pick it okay. apart and figure it out. All right. And we did that uh, to a couple places and we did really well, you know, mm-hmm. and the nice part is when you have a tournament, it kind of makes you do that and it pressures you and puts that pressure on you to learn things and be better at what you're doing. You know, you gotta, you gotta hone your craft a little bit to, to try and beat everybody else, you know? Yes. <laughs> and that's, that, that's the aspect of tournaments that I like. Um, I don't like, I, I, I like the pressure and you know, as more than the competition, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. So but, it's kind of that stress yeah. inoculation that you get from it, you know, that, that I like the most. <laughs> that is very true because it, it, it does give you that uh, adrenaline dump that you're looking for for the challenge. But, you know, like you said, it's, you don't you don't, you don't uh, push for the uh, uh, what is it? catfish and tournaments, but you, you just like to take people on out there. So when did you yeah. start uh, bringing veterans out on the water? Um, I started it pretty early, actually. Um, I've got a I had a couple buddies um, that wanted to go out and I. I decided to take them out. Boy, they, they were so happy. They were like, we caught more fish in a, in, in this trip than we have all season last season. Oh, and wow. I was like, that, that's freaking awesome. You know, we, we'll go out on, on the cedar. I'll take a veteran out on the cedar and veterans, um, they go for free. Um, I, mm-hmm. I put them as, as high on the priority list as I possibly can. Um, if somebody's not scheduled out, you know, a long ways, I put them as high on the, on the list as I possibly can. And yeah. we take them out we take veterans out for free. They don't, they, they have no charge. And, you know, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of our thank you. You know, I served myself. I, I, I joined when I was 17 and I got out when I was, uh, in, uh, I got in in 2004 and I left in 2012 um, okay. because I got, I got blown up in Afghanistan and I, I uh-huh. broke my back in two places. And, uh, so it was one of those things that I had to, uh, it, it was really hard for me to adapt back into the civilian life and yeah. the outdoors basically uh, brought me back. It was my therapy. Was, you know, a lot of people, especially veterans, um, they love being outdoors. They love doing all this stuff. You know, it, it, it keeps their mind active. You know, everybody knows an idle mind is not a good mind. Um, yes. You know, things creep in that you don't want to creep in. And the outdoors really brought me back from a lot of dark places with the help of my wife um, and my kids and everybody. Um, and the veteran community, um, it really brought me back from a lot of dark places. And I want to be able to share that with, with my fellow veterans. Um, you know, a lot of the guys that I served with have called me up and said, Hey, you know, I, I need to, I need to get out on the boat. You know, I, I'm having a really tough time. You know, I've been, I've been drinking a lot. I just need to get out on the boat and, you know, have some fresh air, you know, be clean for a little bit. And I've invited one, uh, a couple of them you know, out for an entire, like three days of just go out and it helped them detox. And, you know, they were going through withdrawals almost the whole time, but that fishing and that being in the outdoors actually helped them, you know, mm-hmm. keep their mind yes. off of it, you know? And, and by the end of the time they were like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm ready to go back to, to normal life now. And a lot of them have actually led a pretty, pretty normal life now, which I'm, I'm, I'm really happy for. And I, I just, you know, I've always had a really soft spot for my for my brothers and sisters in arms. And, you know, like I said, 
they they come out for free and I, I love every one of them and I, I want to help as much as I can because they they you know my the veteran community helped me yeah. so I think it's it's part of part of me that says I need to give back you know <laughs> that is very true I had a, uh, earlier on last this past year I had uh, Kenneth uh, Blaisdell on the podcast he's from uh, from uh, South Carolina but he end up having major damage to his knees and stuff like that and he was not, not in a good place well he uh i can't remember the gentleman's name but they they operate they run operation reboot outdoors in maine and this past year they managed to purchase 56 acres but they do guided hunts and they do vet and they they've picked several veterans to come out there and hunt for bear moose uh yeah. and uh deer and it's like he said it changed his life and now he's a guide out there and it's, it's, it's revitalized that purpose and got him out of his funk because that yeah. vitamin d from the sunlight is so powerful oh it is it is very much so yep and uh one of the things that uh one of the things that we do and we were really proud of is uh we help with a the Tetra was the first site that we introduced the infinite adjust system on the front end. With previous sites, we had what we call a hopscotch or plug and play type of scope housing, where you had to bolt the scope housing to the frame to find the correct location. The Tetra changed that with the infinite adjust system. So now, when you sight in your 20 yard mark, you can really fine tune by sliding the whole scope housing up and down in this channel system. That's probably one of the biggest features to the Tetra. Another key feature of the Tetra is Ninja Star yardage wheel. Getting a better hold on the yardage wheel, especially when you're hunting and you have heavier gloves on. The Tetra does have 100 yard capabilities with the yardage tape and that's to the yard. A couple other key features of the Tetra is you get both third and second axis for even more precision. But one of the key features as far as looks goes is we've updated the front end or the housing of the Tetra. So now you have a brighter, larger uh, scope ring which helps with peep alignment as well as a built-in scope level which is just more secure. The Tetra is available in a fixed frame bracket with, with three different mounting locations as well as a dovetail or tournament edition uh, so you can adjust the distance that the scope housing is away from your bow and the Tetra is also available in three different scope housing sizes. You get an inch and five eighths, an inch and three quarter as well as a new four pin multiple pin head. All the heads are interchangeable. All the Tetras are compatible with any of our accessories. For more information, you can visit our website at www.hhasports.com. It's, it's an event that goes on in Red Rock. It's called Whiskers and Bets at the Rock. Okay. And uh, Rob Welsh from uh, Mid Midwest Game Fish puts it on. Um, it's part of his D2D Dawn to Dusk uh, catfishing series. And uh, it's a completely for fun event where boaters um volunteer for the day to take uh to take veterans out um on the lake uh, on red rock mm -hmm. and usually we have an awesome turnout there's so many veterans that show up i think we had like pretty close to 40 veterans show up last last year and uh you sign up as a boater uh somebody that owns a boat and you say okay i can take this many veterans on my boat mm -hmm. and you know you Rob pairs you up with, with a veteran, or you can 
request a specific veteran to uh, to get on your boat with you. Okay. Um, me personally, I like to I like to get a different veteran every time mm-hmm. um, because it's one of those things that you know th- they show up every every year. But uh, I want to get somebody new because you know one of the things I love about doing these veteran trips is you get so many cool stories, um, stories that may be lost in history if they're not told. You yes. know. Like I, I love taking Vietnam veterans out on the boat. They have so many good stories. I had a World War II veteran on the boat two years ago. He told me some of the coolest stories I've ever heard in my life. Mm-hmm. Stuff that you'll never hear on the History Channel, you know. <laughs> and yeah, that that just just being able to do that and listen to these stories that'll uh-huh. probably be lost over over time are is it, just gold to me, you know. <laughs> but uh, that's I, that's why I pick a different. You know, I tell Rob, you know. Pair me with a pair me with somebody random. That, mm-hmm. that uh, and you know the cool thing is you know we share that bond because we both we both serve so we can both sit there and swap cool stories and that that's that's probably the one of the one of the events that I look forward to every single year is at Whiskers and Vets at the Rock. They usually have it somewhere in early August. Yeah, when the bite's really good at, at Red Rock. So <laughs> I gotcha. Yeah, I, I was talking to Chris uh, Vega, and um, yeah. I wanted to because my a lot of my dad's friends are all retired and they all live in the Clear Lake area and stuff like that. And they and it's like I, I talked to him a lot. Of, I talked to a few of them during our last trip to Okaboji and a lot of them really liked the idea, but with the whole, uh, the hokey pokey that was going on this past, uh, summer, it was just, it was just one of those things where a lot of them just didn't want to be at risk. Cause a lot of them are all in their yeah. mid sixties, late sixties. So I was like, they, they, uh, yeah. didn't want to risk anybody category. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, and I did, I did run into that with the guide service uh, a couple times, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I'm, I'm, to me, I'm not really, you know, I'm young, I'm healthy and stuff like that. So I didn't really, <laughs> I probably didn't take it as serious as I probably should have. Um, but I did have a couple of clients that requested that, you know, we wear masks on the boat, you know, because we're all pretty close together. And, you know, and it's one of those things as a guide, you know, you got to, you cater to your clients. True. And, you know, we had, we had to do that, <clears throat> you know, and the, the cool thing about Whiskers and Vets at the Rock um, was, a lot of those guys, they weren't extremely worried about it. Um, my the veteran that I took, um, his name was Patrick, and uh, he was a Vietnam vet. He was uh, a Marine in Vietnam. Yeah. And uh, he and I shared a lot of different, uh, or a lot of the same views, and it was it was just great being able to talk to somebody like that. And you know, he he wasn't really worried about. He was he was he's almost seventy years old, but he was like, you know what? If I go, I go. I don't even care. You know, he's a old salty marine, and <laughs> oh yeah, it's like he, he. But then again, you go in the military, it's like you got you got pump full of stuff all the time. It's like oh, yeah. the, the same malaria medicine that you take. You it works very very well with the hokey pokey. Oh even, yeah, man, it does because, very well. I, you know that, that that was one of the things I said. I was like. Man, if I could sell my blood, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, you'd, you'd have to cure in it because of because of the malaria Mondays. Even this yeah. year, like last summer, I went to three events for HHA. They're one of my newest sponsors for the podcast, and uh, they, we they always had an average of a hundred to one hundred fifty people showing up to these these veteran tournaments for archery, and nobody cared. 
you're on the side. It's like these everybody is in the same like mindedness of everything, and so mm-hmm. they just they just they just went out and had fun and donated. And every event brought in here between eight to twelve grand for donations because the, yeah. the no, donations go back into the chapter, the local chapter. And their goal, well, like this year they're supposed to do a, a week long trip out to Korea, and they're going to do a bunch of flyovers, fly uh, fly them over to Vietnam as well between everything mm-hmm. there in Wisconsin. So Chris. Uh, Chris Hamm is doing a fantastic job of everything to pushing and growing up. And this year, it's got another eight or nine events. So, and everything right now was on course of, of course. So, it's been great. It's been fantastic. Yeah. So, it's like I, then this week, because I managed to me and my other my crew of guys because I work with a couple different podcasts. Uh, we we just worked out a deal with We the People Holsters, which is veteran owned, American made, all out there in, in Las Vegas. I mean, I two of them, <laughs> right? They're, they're, yep. they're, they're comfortable. They're 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 reasonable prices too. I mean, their Kydex is all fun and looked at too. I mean, I yep. I got my wife uh, two holsters for both of her pistols, and got myself a holster too, and a bunch yep. of magazine. So yeah, it's 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 nice though to to brag about the people that believe in you. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm I'm actually a lefty, so it's hard for me to find uh, a good a good appendix carry holster for just about any any gun that I have. So, you know, I I went on that I went on We the People holsters and I you know, looked up my my model number and everything, and I was like, I'd like it left handed, and they were like, Yeah, absolutely, we can do that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, and they're they're great. I, I love them. You can my uh one of, one of my other staffers, Hunter. He's our he's one of our uh, waterfowl staffers. Um, yeah. He he got a We the People holster, and he loves it too. He, he he carries a he carries a full size uh, Sig three twenty in it, and he carries an appendix. <laughs> Jeez, that that's 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 yeah, they, that's very true. My wife uses she carries. I got it for her engagement ring. It's it was a a Sig P three twenty C, and so that's mm-hmm. her carry. And so I, I got her a holster for that. She like she likes to have it outside the waistband. That's just yep. that's her preference. So it's like sweet. And then I went and invested in two new core essential belts. Which mm-hmm. are just fantastic uh, items to have, and uh, I don't. I'm not sponsored by them, but I just really love the products because mm-hmm. they're high end. They're very easy. And that's like I've been using it for my hunting and my fishing. And it's just like it just it's nice to have that. I went with the the heavier Garrison belt, it just because based off of what she wanted for a belt buckle, and so between it uh, an inch and a half to an inch and three quarter size. But yep. at least now it's like we we can we can do these belts are designed to hold ten pounds, so we can mm-hmm. really load them up. Yeah. Yeah, I like a good I like a good stiff belt for my uh for my carry pieces because you know it's uh, I like to have either metal lined or some some stiff lining inside of it because for some reason you know when I when I go to draw um that uh, that hook just doesn't want to catch the belt you know sometimes so yeah that stiff that stiff belt actually helps a lot. <laughs> it does. It is it is a game changer when it comes down to when if you got into a stressful situation where you need to change the outcome of the conversation. Yep, absolutely. So then, so how long have you been like? So, out of all the, uh, let's see here. I was going to ask you a fish a fishing question, but it's, it escaped my mind. But uh, like, what I guess what I want to start is, what is your personal best for a, uh, a catfish out of all the um, species? So I haven't I haven't broken the fifty pound mark on a uh, on a flathead. It's it's every time I catch a big flathead, it's like forty eight, you know, forty nine. Uh, 47, you know, I keep bouncing in between, you know, mm-hmm. the high forties and I just can't break that 50 mark. So my biggest, my biggest flathead is a uh, 49.6. Um, and then my biggest channel is only, I think it's pretty close to 19 pounds. Um, 
And then my biggest blue is that one that I have in my uh, my profile picture, which ended up being like 63. Yeah, yeah those are some fun some uh, there were some fun fish to catch. I mean, I think my biggest channel cat right now is sitting at five pounds, but it's like I'm just I'm just fishing off the bank, and oddly enough, I caught that off of, of off a of bass uh, bait. And it just I was just, yeah. it was just it was just it just only it only it's a a square bill, so it only goes about two or three feet deep because uh, yep. like the water was really low on the Illinois River, and I'm just happened to catch it. And it hit it, and then it, it, it went into this barrel roll, and so as I bring it up, it's like it's just spinning. So I just sat yep. there and go around and around and around it, watch out for the barbs so I didn't caught. But but the nice yep. thing was it turned into a teaching moment to my nieces and nephews because they'd say they wanted me to watch watch me fillet this this fish up. So this way they kind of have that experience and know you or yuck. It's like they were just quiet asking questions like what's this poking at this poking at that you know and then we turned that and my wife and i, I we brought it back up up here to lacrosse and ended up having a catfish fry with that with the chicken nuggets or catfish nuggets for it so yeah yep absolutely and that that's the, that's the great thing um when you when you start when you start kids young in the outdoors they're so intrigued um because a lot of the times uh kids especially if they're not your kids you know, they're, they're kind of sheltered, you know, they're, they stay inside, they play on the iPad, you know, or, or whatever. And then once you get them in the outdoors and you show them like, Oh, this, they end up, you know, asking questions and they're, they're so intrigued and they're so involved, um, that, uh, they, they kind of forget about all that other stuff, you know, and that's, that's one of the things I've tried to do with my kids is take them out as much as I possibly can. A lot of the times, um, when I'm out dragging for catfish, like if it's just me and the kids and the wife, yeah. um, we'll actually take the, the inner tube that we pull behind the boat for the kids and we'll just stick it like directly behind the boat motor, right uh-huh. by the boarding ladder. And they'll, you know, they'll float on that while I'm fishing or uh-huh. they'll run up to the bow of the boat. They'll jump off the front of the boat, swim to the back of the boat, run up the boarding ladder and then just do it all over again. And surprisingly, it doesn't affect the bite at all. I still catch fish while they're doing it. <laughs> and they just love it. You know, they, they love just being outside and I, I, I can tell there's a lot of my blood in them because they they it, it's hard to it's hard to get them back inside <laughs> a lot of the times you know it, it, it's, it's it is nice because like I live I live right in La Crosse it's like I live right there at uh, right into the, the Lake Alaska and uh, uh, Mississippi and it's like and we and the nice thing is we were we're a, we're a holding spot on the Bass Pro for the Elite Series so yep, every yep. two years they come up here and usually the falls on the we, the, 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 where, I, where I'm having my daughter, so we'll go up there and we'll watch and weigh the fish and stuff like that. Yeah. And she just has a blast and stuff like yep. that. And then uh, we got her, got her some tackle and such this past uh, over the, over this past year, and she's slowly growing and growing. And so it's like she's. And then one, the funny thing is, like when they get really, when a kid gets really in depth with it, like they'll set them up practices. Like she wanted to, she wanted to copy me, and she wanted overhand cast. And it's like I didn't, I didn't quite trust her skill. So there's one day that I made her practice. I just made her practice for like three, four hours out mm-hmm. in the sun, and she just. It's like I told her, it's like start, start with only a couple feet away, and, and every time you hit your target, go back two steps, go back two steps. So this way, then she can learn that control. And she yep. just, my dad and I were just sitting there watching her. It's like she was just absolutely amazing. So then the next morning, we took her out fishing because it's like she did what I asked, and it's like and she, and we just let her do what she wanted to do. We used uh, hot dogs. Just to yep. catch uh, whatever we could find. Yep, and uh, I've actually caught catfish on hot dogs a lot. <laughs> that is very true. They, uh, bullheads, they love catfish too. They love uh, yep. uh, that one, especially when you microwave and it brings out the that oil. It's just yep. fantastic. Have you yep. had a chance to go down to like to, I went to Tampa Bay here a couple of years ago. I actually caught 
saltwater uh, catfish. Yep, I've They're, seen them. I've never, I've never done it though. I've never been. Uh, I've, I've been sea fishing once in my life. Um, yeah. We were, it was, we were actually on leave, and we went to, uh, we went to Qatar, uh, which is part of the uh, United uh, Arab Emirates, mm-hmm. and uh, and we were able to uh, go out and charter a boat. Um, it was all free. We were on, we were on a four day pass. Uh, it was one of those things that you know when you're in mid tour, and uh, we got extended while we were over there. So they were like, okay, these guys need a break. So they gave us a four day pass, and they flew us out to uh, to a, to Qatar. And uh, we got to get on this charter boat, and mm-hmm. yeah, we got to fish in the uh, the Persian Gulf, which was pretty awesome. And yeah, we went and did some fishing. I can't remember the fish, the kind of fish that we caught, but it was it was a lot of fun. I had a I had a blast. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! I'm glad you got a had a chance to do that. But yep. my when I caught my when I caught my catfish out there, it felt like I was catching a blue. So it, yep. it was fun, entertaining, and uh, I was using uh, shrimp. That's what yep. just worked out perfectly. Like what they do down there, uh, the, uh, the guy I went fishing with, he likes to take the the leftover juices uh, in the bag and take mm-hmm. him and dip his bread in them. Like some doesn't like white bread doesn't really matter. But then he would take him and roll them into a nice little ball, and then he would throw them in the freezer. And so when he go fishing, all he do is put hook through it. Cast it out there, and as the water warmed it up, it, it spread that smell. It just, yep. it just, they just hit it. They just come right after, it. and it, you never know what you're gonna get because uh, uh, depending on the the the, hot, the tide, you you don't know what you what to, what to expect. Yep, yep. And surprisingly, you know, a lot of people don't understand that saltwater fish actually fight really well. <laughs> yes, they do. They they freak out when you uh when you hook them <laughs> i think that's why everybody likes going down down there fishing because like that's why why people go after bass because they like that exciting fight but it's like yep. uh, some of my, my most favorite fun fights are with catfish because sometimes yep. it's like depending on what type of test you have on your line it could take you three or four minutes to bring it in yep yeah that uh that big 63 pound blue that i have on my profile um that uh that thing took me almost 10 minutes I was, that was a 10 minute fight and it was up and down the entire time. It, we'd get him to the surface, we'd get a look at him and all of a sudden he would just say nope and go <laughs> straight to the bottom. Maybe pull and drag the whole way and we're like, okay. We're in, we're, in 30 feet of, we're in 30 feet of water and we're, you know, now we're still dragging baits while we're, while we're while mm-hmm. I'm fighting this fish and then we move mm-hmm. over into 60 feet and he goes back down to the bottom and I'm like, Oh, okay, we got to pull him back 60, 60 feet back up. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I had a friend of mine here a couple of years ago. He was out here fishing on the Mississippi, and he found himself a sturgeon, and it was uh, 45 inches long. He said it took him 45 minutes, and they were in a canoe. This guy stands six foot five in a oh. canoe, and just it just sat in there reeling in, going back and forth. He said his arms were jello, but he, he landed it. He brought it up. Um, we also, we actually, when, when we ice fish, we actually target cats through the ice. We, we target channel cats through the ice. I saw that. I saw that on your, on your face, on your, on your, yeah. uh, your Facebook page. You guys actually get after it. It's like, that's something the fish that people don't typically go after. No. Um, and one of the things that people don't realize is, you know, they, they fight a lot, um, through the ice too. Okay. And, uh, I've, I've had them, you know, we went out with, uh, those, those same whisker secret pro staffers, uh, Ken and Troy and Amy, and they showed us a specific technique that to go out and target cats through the ice and we were using medium heavy uh ice fishing rods uh okay fishing for channel cats and we're pulling 10 12 pound channel cats through a you know through an eight inch hole in the ice and wow. even on these medium heavy rods with you know heavy bait casters on them they're still pulling drag down to the bottom 
Mm-hmm. You know, and they, they, they freak out. And not only that, but when I, I like to practice a lot of CPR, but during the winter, it's kind of my harvesting fish time because, for one, I think they taste really a lot better through the ice, um, especially catfish. Um, catfish, uh, cold water catfish are some of the best catfish to eat. Hmm. And, um, yeah, we, we actually will keep a couple through the ice. And even some of those bigger 10 pound fish, they're, they're not muddy. They're not, they're actually a sweeter meat. Um, Interesting. and, uh, yeah, they, they, they taste amazing. And we, we go out, we actually go out and we will either jig for them a lot of the times, or we'll actually set out, uh, auto fishermen. Um, okay. they're basically a, a device that looks like a, a, a giant mousetrap with a rod on it. Okay. And you'll, you'll set it and, uh, you'll use the bend in the rod to set it. And then when that fish pulls down on that bait and takes it, the rod will actually spring up and it'll actually hook the catfish for you. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a snare, and, it's a snare technique. I had, yeah, uh, pretty much. uh, the, the owner of, um, JT, uh, custom products, uh, from, uh, from Minnesota, he developed an ice fishing setup for, for strictly for snare fishing. So this way yeah. then you can just be off in the distance watching it. And once that, once that, uh, rod starts actually bending, then you come get it. Cause like you said, it's, it's a medium heavy, rod for it for fishing for ice fishing he's got the hot box to keep it open and they, they, he he built his company or so this way then in the summertime he can travel around and do the walleye fishing that's what he did that's why it's but he also is his main uh, uh bread and butter is that he he, he develops uh shooting gun ranges for indoor yep. gun ranges to people so it's yep. like it's pretty cool yeah absolutely Hello, we're at the 2020 ATA show at uh, Veteran Innovative Products, uh, an all-American made and manufactured broadhead. So we've got a new one for 2020 called the Combat Veteran 4-Blade. As you can see, 4-Blades got a lot of the same high-quality materials we used with our original 2-Blade Veteran, but the Combat Veteran has a different deployment system. How it deploys is you just squeeze a little bit on your main blades, okay, those compress, and then the broadhead opens. It still has our momentum management compressible blade technology. So the cutting diameter is inch and a quarter by two inches on this when deployed. Uh, in flight, it's one inch by inch and a quarter. Another feature we added this year with these heads uh, is that you can exchange the bone breaching field point tip with a 125 grain setup if you would like. So swap the tip out, get you 125 grains instead of 100, which is big with those Western hunters. And then it's really simple to lock back in place roll those blades up and then it's a click and another click on the other side it's completely set in will not prematurely deploy will not rattle free solid containment 100 percent deployment every time so we've made a lot of good adjustments and refinements to it to make sure that it's guaranteed to deploy every single time so that's what's new for vip this year what do you typically use this for ice fishing then for cats um uh, okay, so a lot of the times we use the same kind of baits that we would use for panfish. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes we'll use uh, waxies and stuff like that, uh, minnows. Yeah. But a lot of the times what we'll use is we'll go out and we'll catch a bluegill, a small bluegill, right. and we'll use uh, like a one-by-one-inch uh, chunk of bluegill to catch okay. it. Okay, okay. Um, you got you to gotta pair your baits down um, pretty far uh, to, to be catching uh, catfish through the ice on cut bait, but they will hit it. Um, they'll... they'll They'll inhale that, uh, that chunk of bluegill. Um, we do the same thing when, so it, it's kind of funny because we, we target catfish from summer or from, from spring when the ice leaves 
um, mm-hmm. all the way into winter when the ice is here. Um, that That's one of the things that I think, to me, ice fishing makes you a better fisherman. Um, because ice fishing is all about smaller baits, finesse, um, trying to get that fish to bite when he doesn't want to bite, you know, things like that. And then, you know, summer is where, you know, you can, you can be sloppy if you want to, but I think, I think, cat, or, uh, I think, uh, ice fishing definitely makes you a better fisherman because it's all about that finesse. And not only that, but you have to find these fish, um, when you're jigging through an eight inch hole through the ice, you know, you have to go out and you have uh-huh. to drill a hole. You have to find these fish where they're at. And a lot of the times, you know, these fish don't move very far from where they are in the summer. So, and, and they'll actually eat the same baits. Oh, so, so that's, what, that makes things easier for you guys. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So what, so what we'll do is, um, when the ice leaves, um, we'll actually go out, like as soon as the ice is off the lake or off the reservoir or off the river or wherever mm-hmm. it is, we'll start going out and targeting these fish and we'll actually find them in anywhere from six inches to 18 inches of water. Really? Yeah. We're catching channel cats in, you know, 40 degree water and they're in really shallow water when the ice leaves, because what they do is they're up there and they're looking for, they're looking one to get warm and for two, they're looking for the bait that's getting up there and getting warm and they're eating all those little bugs. So you follow the bait, you find the fish. Um, they're also eating all the winter killed shad that, that, have, that are falling out of the ice as the ice leaves. And a lot of the times it's easier for them to find that in shallow water. So when you go out there and we'll actually take our duck rigs, our, our, our mud motors and stuff like that, we'll go okay. up into the shallow water okay. and we're, we're not using our electronics or anything because they don't work in 18 inches of water. No. And we will actually anchor above where we think they are and we'll throw the same type of baits that we were using in the winter, um, small little pieces of cut bait to these fish. And it's literally like fighting a, fighting a fish on the kitchen table. You know, you're pulling them across, you're pulling them across shallow water. They can't go down, but they can go side to side. And man, it's, it's crazy. Um, sometimes when it's calm out there, you'll actually see these fish finning with their, with their dorsal fins, like a shark. Oh, waving at you? Yeah, out of the water. Because what they'll do is, We'll, we'll go out there and we'll throw these baits in this really shallow water. Well, if you get a big fish, he will literally almost stand vertical over that bait and he'll, his tail will be out of the water and you'll see that tail and all of a sudden you'll see a swirl. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, a rod's going to go down. It's probably going to be that one. Sure enough. Boom. That rod goes down and he's on, you know, or what you'll actually see is you'll, their tail will be out of the water and their dorsal fin and you'll see how they hunt. Um, you'll see them track back and forth like a good bird dog. They'll go, you know, 12 feet to the right. Then they'll turn around. They'll move about a foot forward and then they'll go 12 feet to the left and they'll just track back and forth looking for stuff on the bottom. It's very crazy. interesting. Yeah. So yeah. They, 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 they do They just follow a grid then. That's how they, yeah, basically. Yeah. They hunt wow. like that. Yeah. So then when you're, when you're fishing in that, that shallow area, what's your average size and what you're looking for? Is it going to be like that, that 12 or you're looking at more of that? 18 to 25 inch range um we we catch catfish everywhere from the some of the smallest catfish you've ever seen to uh-huh. pounds really yeah they the, those those fish they're not just the little ones are up there feeding the big ones are too it's just okay. like in the spring in, in the spring um when the floods come up you know the water level rises mm-hmm. everywhere and the, the rivers flood and stuff like that we will actually go up into that flood water 
and catch catfish. I've, I've caught, I've caught some of the biggest catfish I've ever caught. Um, especially channels here in Iowa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've caught them in, uh, 24 inches of water in some farmer's cornfield. That's yeah, that's very true. Yeah. I, uh, my uh, father-in-law, when he, when, when they, when they flood, when the Illinois floods, they'll, they'll, the water will come right up their deck. They'll just drop their lures down. They'll bring yep. up catfish or, or when the water recedes and they get into their basement, they'll find, uh, seven, eight pound catfish laying there dead. Is it, yep. It's cause and what, they're, what they're doing is, um, that's opening up new water for them. And mm-hmm. not only that, but there's bugs and all sorts of stuff. Um, up in that flood water that they normally aren't able to chow on, you know, they'll, they'll go up there. And that's, that's why when I tell people, everybody's like, Oh, how do I catch catfish in the spring? You know, early spring, or how do I catch catfish in a flood? And I'm like, follow the water, <laughs> follow yeah. the water line because they're eat, they're up there eating stuff that they normally aren't able to eat because you know, they're those earthworms and stuff like that. They're, they're coming up under the, you know, they're getting flooded out. So now they're, you know, they're floating around there and, they're, uh, those catfish are up there chowing on that, or they're chasing bait up into the shallows. That's you know, true. Dad and bluegills and all sorts of stuff. They're chasing that stuff up into the shallows. Now, are, they, are, are catfish cannibal? Will they will they go after other catfish? Um, yeah, they will. Okay. Um, I've I've found baby cat channel catfish inside of channel catfish. Um, uh, flatheads they will eat anything that they will fit in their mouth. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Um, to include baby flatheads. Um, I've, uh, I've caught, uh, I've caught a five pound flathead that had a, probably a three pound, uh, bass in his mouth. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. And yep. then, if they can fit it in their mouth, they'll eat it. <laughs> that's that, just like a bass too. They'll, 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 they'll their eyes, will, their, their mouth, their eyes will be bigger than their stomach. Now, when you're fishing these, these, these shallows, then do you, are you just casting it out right where you're seeing them at or? Or do you just do a spin bait with them? Or uh... um, a lot of the times we'll, we'll we'll fish them on the bottom with a regular Carolina rig, um, with okay. uh, you know like a, a no roll sinker or a uh, or something like that to a to a swivel and then a leader and then a circle hook snelled on. Um, and it's usually like a four aught or a five aught circle hook, a little bit smaller because you're using smaller baits. True. And we'll actually go out and we'll kind of. Sometimes we'll start to scan with the side scan where we can, mm-hmm. but the way we find them the most, and this is, this is kind of crazy because a lot of people don't think about this. Um, one of us will be in the bow of the boat and we'll be looking in the water. The water's muddy, but when catfish school up, they make a big ruckus in the water and there's, we call it pluff mud. Um, it's, well, it's, it's kind of our term. We call it pluff mud because it kind of, it's that silty, um, yes. Stuff on the bottom that when a fish moves, you'll see it just kind of poof up. So okay. that's that's why we call it fluff mud. So we we look for big pockets of that fluff mud that they're making because the boat is spooking them. You know, because we're in such True. shallow water, the boat's spooking them. Um, so when once we find a whole lot of fluff mud and you know fish that are that are that are uh, trying to get away from the boat, we'll take the boat and we'll circle way out and around them. We'll go like 300 yards way out and around where we saw them, mm-hmm. and then we'll get upstream of them, and we'll anchor above them from where we last saw them and cast back to them. And ah. that technique has been, has worked more times than not um, to, to find these catfish in the shallow waters. Um, it's, it's, you know, you're in such shallow water, you can't use your electronics at all. Mm-hmm. You know, your side imaging and stuff like that, it's, it's not scanning out to the side very well. You need a little bit deeper of water to be able to see with your side imaging. 
So yeah, it, that it's just for a long time, I actually thought that was just carp and suckers and stuff like that until uh, actually Ken, the the Whisper Secret Pro Staffer, he took me out to show me that bite as well, mm-hmm. and uh, that's how they find them. And that's that's the technique he actually taught me and showed me. He's like, no, those are catfish. Those aren't carp. That's catfish. <laughs> I was like, no freaking way. <laughs> and then we just started hammering them that day, and I was like. Holy cow! I'm gonna, I'm gonna, keep, I'm gonna try this, <laughs> and then eventually I learned how to do it myself, and we, you know, we we evolved our techniques to to be able to uh, go out and find this spring bite too. That's it. That's awesome. Like when I when I fished up on my Mitchell there, there's just there's a spot that kind of uh, it's a like this. It's a field runoff, but it's where a lot of the catfish and the suckers will 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 go back up in there because the way it works is like it is right on the channel, but then. As it goes close to the bank, it has this nice uh, goes from from 25 feet all the way up to five feet deep. Well, then when you yep. get in this little back little channel, it only goes back maybe 100 yards or so. And you need a flat bottom to get in there in a dirt motor because otherwise, you, with a prop and a V bottom, you, you'll you'll end up you'll end up hitting something. And yep. that exact same thing that that the plume dirt that comes up my dad and i would go back in there and we'd make this big old turn just kind of wake everything all up then we go back mm-hmm. to the entrance and then we just start casting in and it just it just be like catching fish in a, in a, in a net it's just yep. remarkable like how it all just comes alive and the, we usually dip, typically do that in the fall just because of that's when everybody's off the water but that's when all the fish are back up in there because mm-hmm. it's just calmer because nobody goes back in there unless yep. you fish from the sides but then i, I think that land is all owned by a, uh, one of the farmers my dad knows so and that's what's uh, cool about that that's that's what's really cool about that spring bite too just like you said um when when you find those fish that are all schooled up it's one after the other a lot of you know we have we have uh three rod licenses um we always get them every year because you know we want to run as many rods as we want to in the boat but you know you get two three guys with six rods out and by the end of the time you're only fishing uh-huh. with one because the bite is that fast you can't keep you know you can't keep three rods per person in the water <laughs> no you really can't especially when uh in the spring when we go to my uh, when i go with my, my dad and his friends when we go to okaboji it's the, you do two rods but it's like it's just a if, if it's hot if the water's hot you say you, you can only have one but when it's slow uh you can you can, you can easily manage two of them and i usually yep. i usually run a uh a catfish rig and I just kind of drop it away to the bottom and then bring it back up and I use a little yep. jigs with the minnow on it and see what happens. Yeah, if absolutely. not, it'll be yellow bass. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm going to go chase tomorrow. And then we're going to, we're going to head up to clear Lake tonight and we're going to go try and chase the yellow bass on clear Lake. <laughs> oh, I didn't know. I didn't know uh, clear Lake had yellow bass cause that's a fun yeah. fish to catch. And they, they're, have, it, a, they have an annual tournament there. Um, that's called the yellow bass bonanza. Okay. And if, uh, there's a there's a limit on how many fish you can bring in, but it's the biggest bucket uh, mm-hmm. of, of that limit of, of yellow bass. And uh, yeah, it's it's actually a really big thing. <laughs> it's it's a thing. <laughs> That's awesome. That yeah, there's yep. a I've, I had a, I've had a couple of friends around here in Lacrosse that they've caught yellow bass too. But I like because being in Lacrosse, I like going after the pike. Pike are just fun, but I uh, I like to catch big pike and then turn around and I pickle them or, or put them into 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 fish tacos. So. It's, yep, it's, yep. it's 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 fun. It's like that's my favorite thing to do. When you uh, we would like to just take a second to help you make the final decision on your new Kydex holster. We the People offers all American-made holsters designed for everyday carry. Whether it's inside the waistband or outside, these holsters are made with quality and don't break your bank like other high-end holster companies. And plus, they offer free shipping on all orders in the USA. So go have a look, and while you're at it, check out what else they have to offer. Merch link in bio. 
when you get, when you catch stuff to eat, what do you like to cook? Fry them? Do you bake them? Do you grill them? What do you like? To- I'm a fish fryer myself. I like a, I like a nice. Uh, it, this is actually a recipe from my from my grandfather. Um, he mm-hmm. he would always go up to like pier, and uh, he would uh, he would come back with a whole cooler full of walleye fillets and stuff like that. And he always he would always you know have me in the kitchen showing me how to how to fry these fish up and what he would do is he would take saltine crackers and uh a little bit of flour and then a little bit of garlic and he would crush them up in a uh in a ziploc baggie okay Um, he would run a rolling pin over it and that would be his batter and then we would uh dip it in an egg wash and then roll it around in that batter and then just throw them on the throw them in the hot grease um and that's how i've always prepared my fish um Trout, that's a different story. I, I like to do my mm. trout whole, and I bake them in the oven. I actually stuff them. You know, I do the whole stuff, you know, gut the cavity out, and I stuff them, and then I put them in the, put them in the oven, and then when I eat them, I just eat around the bones, or I pull, actually, you can, if you do it right, you can actually grab onto the spine and pull all the bones right out of the fish before you even eat it. So oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that is fantastic. Yeah, I like to. I like to. I like to experiment. My, my wife has come up with this fantastic batter because when I usually host a, a podcast, when, when my guests come, we always, I always feed them. And it's like there's always a variety of pike, bass, walleye, something that I've caught throughout the summer, or fish that my like he has too many fish and he doesn't want them to go bad, and yep. so he gives them to me. So yeah, it's just. We just love doing all that fun stuff. It's like that's yeah. what, that's what I like doing. That's why I like that's why I prefer doing face to face podcasts because like, then I get to cook, which makes yeah. things uh, uh makes things, makes the the podcast memorable because then I've had a lot of repeat guests just because of the fun the fun yeah, fish. Yeah, like, yeah, we'll we'll give you some food and some beer and come on over and we'll do a podcast. <laughs> usually what we do. Yeah. yeah, I usually always ask if they if they because like I always I always have some beer, whiskey, rum, uh, right. and so that's why I always have some type of a flavor for their for to. to to quench their, 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 their thirst now. Yep, absolutely. My, my my last bit here that I want to wrap things all up here is like when you're looking at getting a all around rod that's going to handle your cat, your 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 excuse me, your your blue, your channel. Mm-hmm. What what type of setup would you recommend somebody to 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 get? To catch that, like that average between up to up to fifty to forty pounds or fifty to sixty pounds. Yep. Um, like I said, we could go as deep in the weeds as you want with this, but okay. <laughs> um, uh, there, there's there's a couple different kinds of rods. Um, just like with any any kind of fishing, um, you can you can go for you know sensitivity or you can go for power and you know that that flex. Mm-hmm. Um, for me personally, and, and this is where me and my fishing partner kind of kind of differ. Um, he's one of those people that was, that likes to take control of the fish. Um, so he likes a stiffer rod, um, in a, a, like a graphite glass or or a graphite, um, composite that's got a lot of power in the backbone right away. Um, with me, I prefer a, a glass, more of a glass rod. Now a glass rod is going to be a little less sensitive, but, and it's going to be heavier as far as weight. Um, and, mm-hmm. but it's going to have a lot of good action in the tip to where it'll, it'll want to bend and it'll bend and bend and bend to where you think it's going to break. And then it's going to bend some more. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I kind of like to let the fish kind of play itself out a little bit and, and work itself around. Um, with a graphite rod, you're going to get a lot of sensitivity 
Um, that's why I like to use it for a bumping rod. That's that's a whole different game with with catfish. It's called bumping, and we could get into that later if you want to. But yeah, I, I like to have sensitivity in a bumping rod, so I go to a graphite rod for bumping. But for dragging and for anchoring, I like to have uh, a uh, a glass type rod um, in my hand. And with that, the nice part is our sponsors, Cast King, has both. Oh, um, awesome! They have they have what's called the Cat Tech which is the more expensive, um, really nice setup with fit and finish, uh, cork handles, all that stuff. That's the graphite rod. Um, it, it comes in either one piece or two piece. Um, I, I don't have really have a preference between the two. I think they're, they're, they both have, have their merit. A two piece mm-hmm. is better for if you're one of those people that don't have a boat and you have to stuff your rods in your car, yeah. but you still want that, you know, you still want that, uh, that nice catfish rod, that two mm-hmm. pieces that, where it's at with a one piece, you know, you're going to have uh, the ability to, you know, just throw it in your boat. Uh, if you have, if you don't have to stuff it in an SUV <laughs> or, yes. a, or a small car, but uh, yeah, they have, they have the cast cat, which is about $89 or cat tech, which is $89. Um, and then they have what's called the cast cat. Um, that's a glass rod and uh, it's got a lot of sensitivity. Uh, or it, it, it's not as sensitive as the, as the graphite, but it still has plenty of sensitivity and it's got a lot of bend to it. Um, when you're dragging baits, I like to have that bend because that bend really sets the hook really well in them. Um, and it absorbs those head shakes, um, and that initial run when they take off with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's called the cast cat. Um, it's a little less, uh, cost. Um, they're around $60. And uh, that that's the rod that I prefer. It's got EVA handles as opposed to the cork. Um, I like to run uh, two different types of casting reels. I like to run what's called the capstan, which is a large, it looks like a bait caster for bass, but it's bigger. It's about three times bigger. Yeah, I got one too. For, I have one, I have, a, I, have a, I have a rod that's strictly designed for catfish. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, 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 it was designed to be more like a musky rod or reel. But um, it's it's still really good for catfish, um, and it's got it, a lot of people don't understand that you know drag is important with catfish, um, and this thing has thirty five pounds of drag in a bait caster, um, which is kind of unheard of. Um, there's not a whole lot of you know bait casters aside from saltwater bait casters that have that much drag in them. Um, so Jesse prefers that capstan too because you know he's one of the people that likes to control the fish. Okay. Um, uh, I like it. I like that kind of reel for bumping because it's got a thumb thumb release as opposed to a lever or a button on the side. Um, so it's more of a thumb method uh, with bumping. You're you're using your thumb more. Um, but I also use what's called a Cast King Recon reel. It's a round bait caster design. Um, it's also got a line counter. Um, line counters are really important with uh, with catfishing, especially mm-hmm. if. Uh, you know, you, you, you mark a spot, let's say you mark a spot on GPS and you decide to anchor above it. Well, the GPS will actually tell you how far away you are from that spot when you anchor. So I can sit there and go, okay, I got to let this much line out on my line caster to be right on that brush pile. Okay. So that line counter is pretty important to me. Yes. Um, not only that, but the way you drag bait, sometimes the angle of the bait in a certain uh, depth of water is what's actually catching the fish. So I can adjust that angle that that bait is sitting in the water by letting some line out or bringing some line in. So I can say, okay, well, we're catching fish at 100 feet behind the boat, so I'm going to let 100 feet of line out, you know? 
Because sometimes if you're in shallow water or if you're in deep water, you can actually spook the fish with the boat out to the sides. Mm-hmm. And then when you're when you're dragging back over them with 100 feet of line out, that gives them time to repopulate that area and come back in. And you're hitting those fish when they're coming back in. Um, so also we use planer boards, just like walleye guys do. We use planer boards to catch catfish. Those planer boards okay. catch those catfish that are out to the side that get spooked by the boat. Okay. In shallow water or, mm-hmm. you know, those fish that are out there. So we're, so now we're catching fish in a swath instead of a swath being as wide as our boat is, which is about 86 inches wide. We're actually catching fish in a, we're making a swath through the water that's mm-hmm. 50 yards wide. So now we're, we're catching those fish that are to the side of the boat with the planer board. So like I said, you can get as far in the weeds with catfishing as you want, or you can, you know, just be that that bank fisherman on the bank, you know, that's, that's the great thing about catfishing is, you know, you can make it as expensive or as, you know, or as cheap as you want it to be. <laughs> yeah. But even still though, those prices for those rods are not that far fetched, you know, cause no. like I, I have a couple of rods that are well over a hundred bucks for my bass fishing just because yeah. I like that sensitivity. And so, but it's like, but it also has a strong backbone. So that's why I can control it. But then again, I don't want to have it get into in a toxic shock with all that extra, um, movement, yep. you know, or yep. all that goes from there. But that's really nice. Now, I want to come back to that balance. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by that. So break that technique down for us. Okay. So, so bumping is a bumping. Form of sorry. Cat bumping. Fish. Yeah. Bumping is a form of catfishing where, so you're, you, you need current to do it. So it's, it's a, it's a river technique. So you take your, you take your boat and you point it in the direction of, of, uh, or you point it against the current. So now you have your boat, your boat, uh, pointed against the current and you're trying to half the current speed. So let's say the, the, the current is moving at four miles an hour. You're trying to do two miles an hour backwards. So you're letting, okay. you're letting the current drift you backwards, but you're using the trolling motor to kind of slow you down against the current. Okay. So you tie what's, uh, what's called a three-way rig. It's on a swivel, uh, a three-way swivel. You've got your weight on the bottom. You've got your bait hanging out to the front, and then your, your third goes up to your reel, uh, up to your line. You cast off the back of the boat a short cast, and you let it hit the bottom and you raise up your bait. And at the same time, you let line out as you're bringing your bait back down. So now it's, it's coming off the bottom. It's moving with the current and then bump that, that sinker hits the bottom. And then you keep doing that. You raise it up, you let line out, boom, it hits the bottom. And you're, you're slowly letting line out as you're moving backwards. Um, and what happens is you're presenting that bait to that fish um, to those catfish like they would normally see it in the river. Okay. If that makes any sense. So it does. They're, it does. they're waiting for bait to wash by them, right? They're sitting uh-huh. in those holes, in uh-huh. those deep depressions, and you're trying to walk that bait down those deep depressions or back into a brush pile or, you know, along a ledge where those fish are sitting. And you're ne- so now instead of dragging the bait past them against the current or, you know, dragging, dragging the bait with the boat, you're letting the boat drift down the river and you're just bumping that bait along the bottom waiting for that fish to just come up and slam it and when they slam it you know <laughs> they take off with that bait and, and, and it's funny because a lot of the times when they hit it you have the bail open still 
<laughs> so then sometimes it's just like yeah, quick slam it. So this way you, yeah. you don't 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 take off a bunch of extra miles. Yep. Or, or you don't take freaking skin off your thumb and burn your thumbprint off. <laughs> true, that, that's that's true. I've done that with uh with pike when they it's like I'll be fishing for, for bass up here and all of a sudden a pike hits and it's like that it goes off on a run. It's like well then if it does that it's like I know it's gonna be at least thirty five inches or longer. And that yep. those those when they get 12, 14 pounds, man, those pike anything that at that weight level is just is just fun anything but that that size and bigger it's just so much fun yep. to fight now when you rip and drag and yeah <laughs> yes yes exactly now what's so when you're bouncing this now do you use a treble hook do you use uh what's use an odd like seven or eight what do you use for a hook a and stuff like time, that? Uh, with with hooks we tend to stick with circle hooks um okay circle hooks are are very conducive to to uh to uh conservation for one um, you're not uh, you're not gut hooking the fish. Uh, very very rarely will you ever gut hook a fish with a circle hook, um, because that circle hook is made so that it always catches the fish in the corner of the mouth. Um, as opposed to a treble hook, if he swallows the bait, you know you're gonna all those all those hooks and barbs are gonna you know grab wherever they grab. With a circle hook, when that fish grabs that bait, um. When you set the hook, you're not supposed to set a circle hook uh, like, uh, you know, like Bill Dance freaking over the shoulder, crossing their eyes, hook set. Yeah. What you're doing is you're reeling down on that fish and you're letting the rod load itself. And that's okay. what hooks the fish is that rod loading itself. Um, so when it does that, it actually moves the bait out towards the lips. And when that fish pulls away, it catches them right there in the corner of the mouth every single time. Um, so. What we tend to use is, depending on the time of year and depending on the size of the bait, a lot of people are like, mm -hmm. oh, well, you know, you got to use small hooks, you got to use big hooks, this and that. Well, the hook size depends on the size of the bait because you, on a circle hook, you don't want to cover up the gap in the circle hook okay. with the bait because that will lose you fish. So you want to just barely skin hook that bait. I mean, you'll, you'll, you'll lose some bait because they'll peck at it and they'll pull it off sometimes, but... You want to just skin hook that bait to where when that fish, because catfish are aggressive, they'll come up and they'll inhale that bait, boom, and they'll just take it straight down. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, you just want as enough hook into that bait that it that it keeps it on there for you, um, but you don't want to cover that gap at all. So you, you use the proper size hook for the size of bait that you're actually using. Mm -hmm. um, like down in Milford, um, we're uh, <laughs> a lot of people they. they they look at us weird sometimes, uh, especially cat fishermen, because we're actually using game fish a lot of times to catch catfish. You know, we'll cut up a bluegill, we'll cut up a crappie, because you know, in Kansas and in Iowa, um, if you catch it on rod reel and it's of legal size, you can use it for bait. Yes. You know, so so we'll go down to Kansas and we'll you know go down there and spider rig or we'll uh, you know cast for crappies along the okay. bank, mm -hmm. and we'll catch 13, 14 inch crappies. And use them for bait. And and when I say use them for bait, we take them out of the live well, we lop the tail off, and we put them on a circle hook, and okay. we throw them behind the boat. <laughs> That's, That's fantastic. A bait. That's a big bait. Um, a lot of people wouldn't even think about using a bait that big. But when you're catching 60-pound catfish and plus, you want to use a big bait because they're looking for a big, easy meal. Yes. You know? And yeah. the reason we just lock the tail off and kind of leave them live is because when you break that spinal cord, um, 
they bleed out very slowly and they leave a nice blood trail for that fish to follow. That is very true. I never thought about doing that for because like I've used a, a bait fish for uh, for pike, but I never yep. thought about just lopping off that tail. Now, when you when you put that hook through, then do you put it through through their mouth? Do you put it yep. through their spine? Oh, okay, through their mouth. Then okay. So we so what I do is I actually close the mouth up with the circle hook. Um, oh. If I if I leave the mouth open, that bait will tend to helicopter and it will it'll it'll uh, mess up you know the rig, you know. So and that was one of the reasons we use a we don't use just a regular barrel swivel. We actually use what's called a ball chain swivel. Um, and if you ever seen a, uh, you ever seen a set of dog tags and they've yes. got those, those little balls. Well, these are bigger and they're they're It's a swivel made out of those and they're rated for like a hundred pounds. And, uh, it's, it's about, I don't know, eight or nine balls all in a row and with loops on the end. So you can tie your line. And we use that in case, you know, that, that bait decides to helicopter. And if it helicopters, obviously it's going to twist your lineup. So yeah, that yeah. ball chain swivel, that ball chain swivel actually keeps that bait from uh, from uh, twisting your lineup. But what I do is I'll actually close the mouth because if the mouth was open, especially on a big crappie, obviously it's going to be like a parachute, and it's going to you know when that bait's dragging, it's going to open up and it's going to slow that bait down or make it sink or make it rise too far or make it helicopter. So we close the mouth up and make it more aerodynamic as it you know or hydrodynamic i should say as it goes through the water that is fantastic knowledge because I'm, I'm i'm as you're as you're talking about the swivels I'm, I'm googling right now i was like huh that's actually pretty neat it's like it's like 100 pound testing that's that's quite impressive now when you yeah. run your uh, I, I didn't mention this earlier on because it's like i wanted to get to the very end of using what you use for uh, a rig but what line what type of what pound test do you use and do you use a specific uh do you braid do you filament monofilament um, there's, there's a lot of advantages and disadvantages to everything. Um, even in, especially in fishing, um, uh, with, with mono, you're going to get stretched and you're going to get that shock absorption. Um, mm-hmm. so if that fish decides to take a big run and you don't have your drag set just right, that line is more forgiving. Um, with, with braid, it's, there's no stretch to it at all, but yes. the nice part about it is it's sensitive. You can, it's, a, it's like a telegraph line from that fish to your, to your hand in that rod. Um, so with the way we tend to drag, um, also with, uh, backing up just a little bit with mono, you've got abrasion resistance. So if you're, mm-hmm. you know, fishing for flatheads and brush, um, we tend to use more mono. If we're okay. fishing for blues out in the middle of the lake, you know, where there's not a whole lot of structure that they can rub themselves on, we'll be using braid. Um, the other nice part about braid is it, uh, it actually will tend to float a little bit more. Um, with mono, it, it's kind of neutrally buoyant. With fluorocarbon, it sinks. Um, so depending on how deep we want to fish, we'll use either or. Um, okay. You know, so it, it really depends. But what we tend to use most is braid. Um, we use for everything, for absolutely everything, from channels to flatheads to, to, to blues, we use a 65-pound Cast King Superpower braid. Um, and then we run that to a ball chain swivel. Okay. And then that ball chain swivel, we use, uh, after that ball chain swivel, we either use, depending on the size of the fish, we use either a 30, a 50, or an 80-pound um, mono leader that's about three feet long. Okay. Um, that leader ob- it, that leader tends to take out that, sh- it's a shock absorber, for one. All right. Um, for two, with, with catfish, they have an abrasive mouth. So if they, they rake that, that mono across their mouth, 
it's it's not going to break that line. Um, it's as opposed to if we just tied straight braid to it, that braid would uh, will uh, will start to cut. You know, the, their teeth will start to cut that braid and mm-hmm. abrade that that line so much that uh, it you could lose the fish. So we use that mono leader for that reason. Um, and then we snell it to a, uh, to whatever size of circle hook that we're using. But yeah, mostly, mostly it's all braid. Um, unless we're like, you know, specifically targeting like flatheads or something in heavy cover or, you know, heavy rocks or something like mm-hmm. that. Or there's a rock ledge out there that we have to haul these fish over and we have to, <laughs> we don't want our line to get, to get cut. That makes complete sense too. Cause like I've, I've been, I've been bit my fair share of time with, uh, Again, Mike, trying to get a hook out of there because if it gets a little mm-hmm. bit deeper than expected, I've been bit a few yep. times. Yep. Yeah, they got that sandpaper mouth. Even some small channels, they, they still got teeth. You know, and, and during the summer, a lot of times if we're out like flathead fishing a lot, yeah. my knuckles will just be all cut up because with a flathead, you just reach down and grab them by the mouth and pull them out, you know? Yeah. And yeah, yeah when they when they freak out by the time they get to the boat, they're they're pretty ornery and they rake those, those sandpaper teeth against your knuckles you have bloody knuckles for a couple days <laughs> that is so true that's so true because you end up doing the same thing with bass too because it's like you just grab them from the lip and pull yep. them right on in uh, man <laughs> is there anything is there anything else you wanted to talk about because it's like i wanted to message you but you're on your phone but is there anything else you wanted to discuss before we wrap up here because like, you dropped some awesome diamonds here yeah absolutely i'm like i said you know i i one of the things that we don't do enough as fishermen is pass on knowledge. And I would really like to have your listeners, you know, take that to heart and say, you know what? I, I know a lot of things. I'm really successful at doing this. You know, I want to take somebody out at least, at least one person, you know, one person a year, uh, and take them out and show them what I know. You know, it doesn't have to be your best buddy that you think is going to go out, you know, out fish out your hole or something like that, you know, but, you know, take a new person out. Um, Show them the outdoors. Uh, you, you never know because right now, I, you and I both know that you know being in the outdoors and with the current political climate and things like that, um, this this heritage that we have been passed down is is dying. You know, mm-hmm. there's less and less fishing and hunting licenses sold every year. This year it went way up because well, everybody got it. Yeah, but. Um, it, it is a dying, it, you know, we're, we're participating in, in, in dying outdoor activities that aren't getting passed down, um, to the generations. And we need to do our part to, you know, uh, try to rectify that situation. I think. I believe I completely agree with you. Cause it's like, I, I've listened to, uh, Shane Mahoney and Randy Newberg. They talk about like, cause we, you will have this great consistency up until about 18 and then, then the kids go off to school and then, and then it's like, it's trying to, you got to get them re-addicted again at the age of 25. So it's, yep. it's, it's, it's a kind of our role to kind of hang around, run the college kids. It's like, Hey, let's go fishing, man. Let's go check this out. Or you have any friends that, that, that want to fish, but don't have any gear. It's like, it's the best way to keep that, their hobby alive. And I think that's why a lot yep. of people come to lacrosse because of our, uh, well, a, we have really good bars, really good, good looking women. And on top of it too, we sit right next to the Mississippi. Yep. Yep. And, and the thing is, you know, I, I try to, when I, when I take kids out and when I take, uh, you know, newer people out i try to make them as successful as possible um because that success breeds interest you know if if i've got a spot that i know for a fact we're going to catch you know 20 fish in this one spot i'll take them to that spot first and really Mm -hmm. get them involved 
and get them going. And then we'll be like, okay, well, we're going to go to the big fish spot. And, you know, obviously <laughs> big fish, big, they're, they're looking at me like, what big fish spot there, there's bigger fish than this. Yeah, there is, <laughs> you know? So, uh, and then it's time to go to the big fish spot. And I kind of end the day with that because, you know, they, everybody loves holding up a giant catfish, you know, a giant for that species. Yeah. You know, I, I've, 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 you know, done guide trips where, you know, the last couple fish are 12 pound channels, you know, and they're, they're just happy as happy can be. And, uh, the, the kids especially, and if grandpa's out fishing, everybody, I'll put the kid on a big fish, you know, or something like that. And gotcha. it, it breeds that success breeds interest and they'll, they'll want to stay interested and they'll want to stay involved. You know, mm-hmm. it's like taking kids bluegill fishing, you know, little, little kids bluegill fishing. They're catching a whole lot of fish. They're having a fun time, you know, and they'll remember that, <laughs> you know, because they had fun. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's one of the biggest things. That's why I don't, I don't take really young kids deer hunting because it's a lot of sitting and waiting and boredom. And, you know, you have to fill in those gaps with, you know, other stuff and you have to sit there and be quiet, you know. When I take little, little kids hunting, I like to take them duck hunting because there's action, you know, yes. all the time. And there's, there's, be you know, there's ducks coming in and you're, you're sitting there, you know, bullshit and having a great time or you're, you're eating candy and you sugar them up and stuff like that, you know, and it, it's, it's active, you know, and there's a lot of shooting and there's ducks falling and the dogs going out, you know, there's so much action. And then later on in life, when they gain a little bit more patience, that's when I take them deer hunting, you know, my, my 14 year old son. You know, he, he likes going deer hunting now because, you know, he's got that patience, you know. <laughs> it takes a little, long to, a little while to develop. I completely agree. It's yeah. in, and uh, I like, that's what my dad does when we take, when he goes over my little, with his, with my daughter, is like, he, he'll, we'll hit the spots where we don't want to get some action then, and then we'll move on and we'll get to a little more, more little active fish. We'll go after some bass and such, or even yep. some perch. So this way it creates a little more of a challenge for her. And it's yep. just, it, she just has an absolute blast. It's like, I like, I like, I like taking kids out, um, small game hunting. Cause that's yeah. where I cut my teeth on growing up in Northern yeah. Iowa is going after cottontail and going after pheasants and squirrel. Squirrels, yeah, yeah, squirrels especially. I loved squirrel hunting as a kid. <laughs> and, oh yeah, and especially like when you, if, they're, if they're still around to shoot, you just give them a four ten, and here you go. You give them two and yeah. a half inch uh, shells and go from there. Yeah. yeah. I, I want to get a, a twenty gauge because this way, then it's like that's all. That's another popular round for people that just. That like just you know they, they could shoot but they just can't shoot without a scope you know and it's just yep. it's just a good alternative to get that pattern out there you know yeah, and it's and like my uh, my fourteen year old he he grew up on a twenty gauge and it was a semi auto you know because a lot of kids are afraid of recoil and things like that you know mm-hmm. I I started him on a gas gun um because it was less recoil but it was still a full house round you know it was it was he was still able to you know shoot it um and. Uh, he would still be able to, you know, harvest game ethically with it, uh, easily because I still shoot a 20 gauge. I shoot, I, I carry a 20 gauge into the pheasant field every single time because one, I'm, I'm old and fat and <laughs> it's still, it's still a viable round to take down a pheasant, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not as good a shot as my dad is. My, my dad was what, what he was before he had me because I'm the oldest of four. He actually used to do competitive trap shooting and his eyes would actually be hor- or, or not very good, but he come home with trophies, first place medallions, all the whole ups, all whole nine. Yeah. And then uh, and up there in Mitchell County, they, they, they redid their, uh, um, trap shooting range and they produce some top 10 competitors in the state. Uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, I know what you mean though, when it comes down to doing that right there I, I have a friend of mine lives in des moines and he gave me like 120 rounds of 12 gauge and that's what i use i use 1100 uh 12 gauge 
and it's like it's it's it's, it's a fun gun to shoot because it's like you can go through five rounds like I what just happened? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, because I probably I probably now just bow hunt for one, if I'm going whitetail because it's like I'm gonna go set Monday because here in Wisconsin the county I'm hunting in I'm I'm, I'm able to hunt either sex until January 31st. Nice. So I'll be go set Monday. We just got some snow coming through, so it'd be actually be a wise thing to go out and go actually scout tomorrow to find out yep. where everything's moving, just to have a pre- preparation for it. And got my orange and everything all set up to rock and roll for that. So yeah, the snow, the snow cover is really gonna it's gonna move them around a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and I was I was muzzle just ended on the tenth, uh, I believe, for yep, January. Weekend, so yep. now, did you get a deer this year, or did you just fall, primarily focus on fishing? Duck yeah, hunting. I got a deer this. I, I got a bow deer this year. It was a little. It was a nice buck. Um, I, I wouldn't say it was a nice buck, but it was. It was a decent buck. He he scored in the hundreds. You know, the one ten. And uh, for me, I and I hate to say this on a on a Bucks of America podcast, but <laughs> I'm I'm not a really big deer hunter. Um, I I got hooked on waterfowl hunting real real early in life. Yeah, and I was always you know during bow season i was always out chasing waterfowl you know <laughs> so that was that was always my thing <laughs> oh that's like me too that's like uh for me it's i was always always, always gun hunting because it was like my way my dad hunted it's like it, the beginning was we do we do pheasant hunting and as it started getting colder we'd get into rabbit hunting then we would take and we do muzzleloader season right around yep. christmas new year's and then we would finish out the season with doing small game so it's like so for me it's like well that's that's how i need to organize my hunting season then i got into bow hunting and it's like that everything's out the window so now it's like yeah. at least the nice thing is like uh it comes after january or once the january 31st now for me i i'm able to spend the rest of, most of my time and up until march to go out to small game hunt or even coyote hunt but hey yep. you know it's like at least you got a deer and you got to the future for any but i'm it's like i try not to focus on the antlers because you can't eat them so it's yeah. like it's, just, it's like it's like the the meat some more the value is like when i people shoot a buck it's like so how much meat did you harvest off the animal that's more intriguing to me because now yep. it's like i can just picture the roast the steaks all that fun yeah. stuff yep absolutely i i that that's the thing too with me is i've always been a uh an outdoors grocery shopper and uh that's that's one of the things even with fishing too is i i don't have a single fish in my freezer right now um when mm-hmm. i want fish i go out and get it and i i eat it fresh um okay. because it's for one, I like it more fresh. And for two, I, I like to know that I can go out and, you know, harvest that animal or that, you know, that fish and be like, okay, I, I know, I know how to go out and find this anytime I want, you know? And, uh, yeah, obviously you have to stay within the seasons and things like that. But, you know, I, I've always been an outdoor grocery shopper. Um, my kids grew up on, or are, are still growing up on deer, fish, duck, pheasant, squirrel, rabbit. They love it all. Um, most of the time we don't even tell them what it is. And they're like, Hey, you remember what we had two nights ago? Can we have that? You know? And I'm like, you know, I, I really haven't told them a whole lot that, you know, Hey, that's squirrel or that's rabbit, but they mm-hmm. eat it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Same and, thing with my daughter too. It's a, yeah. Soon, soon, soon as we gave her, soon as she had teeth, it's like you start feeding the wild game and stuff like Absolutely. that. Yep. That's and that's what really solidifies everything. It's like I remember her at uh, two years old having her first backstrap. It was just it was just myself, my daughter, and my mom. It was just the three of us, and I grilled up some backstrap from a doe I shot that season, and that's what we ate. And it's like it's just, it's just like it's just like I, I I'm I'm more happy when she eats all the meat. If she doesn't eat the vegetables, I'm not angry. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So to, to, I want to roll into my last segment of. Uh, 
of the night here. And I want to talk about how, when you prepare a meal, like what is your favorite whitetail meal you like to share to people that have never had it? Oh, def- definitely loins. <laughs> so what do you, what's your breakdown? How do you, how do you prep it? How do you prepare? Start from after you butch it or when you get it thawed out. And then from there, what do you like um, to do with it? With, with the loins? I, I do it. I do it a lot. Like, um, basically a lot like uh what do you call it like a roast essentially okay. um i'll do it a lot like a roast in the in the crock pot and it makes it super tender um you know onions potatoes i'll take you know almost all the the loins off of a single deer um inner and uh, inner and back straps mm-hmm. and uh i'll put them in that crock pot and i'll i'll put it on low 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 um with those onions carrots potatoes you know uh a little bit of Montreal steak seasoning, you know, in mm-hmm. there and some cloves of garlic and I'll leave it in there for a little while. And it, the meat literally just falls apart. I know that, I'll add a little bit of, I'll put a little bit of lard in there to kind of add a little bit of fat to it. So it okay. doesn't dry it out. Yeah. Um, and I'll add some butter in there to help it, to help the flavor up a little bit, but oh, it is so juicy when you take it out of the crock pot and you literally pull it apart with a fork. <laughs> That's awesome. I didn't think I never thought about using because I uh, two years ago I cooked up a couple of loins and they were dry. They, they still turned out good, but they weren't. They weren't. They just. I don't know if I cooked them too long or too not enough yeah, or too hot. But I like the. I didn't think about putting lard in there. That's a fantastic idea. Yep. Yep. That keeps it from drying out. Yep. I got you. Then to top this 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 food segment off, what's your favorite cut of meat, or what do you like? What's your favorite thing to do if you're just cooking for yourself? What do you like to cook, and how do you like to prep and prepare it? Um, honestly, I make a lot of fish for myself because my wife doesn't eat fish. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, and like I said, you know, my, my one of my favorites is trout and salmon. Um, mm-hmm. trout especially. We have we have two uh, areas um in our in, in our immediate vicinity that have two stocked trout uh, lakes. Um, we have Prairie Park Fishery, which is over in uh, Cedar Rapids, and then we have Tri- Terry Trueblood over in Iowa City. Um, and oh. twice a year, twice a year, they stock these. And uh, I don't like to go out when they stock them because, you know, these 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 trout that have been sitting there in the runs at the fishery have been eating, you know, dog food, essentially. And yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I don't like to eat trout that have been fed dog food for the first part of their life so i'll actually go out either in the really early spring or in the winter and catch them through the ice and i think that those are probably the two times that i i love eating the trout um and there's rainbows and brookies in both of these bodies of water and we'll go out we'll catch them through the ice we'll uh take home our limit of five and i will basically cut them from their vent to their uh to the uh to the gills I'll pull everything out of them, pull the guts out, and then I'll actually slide my thumb along that. Uh, mm-hmm. It's essentially their liver, but it's a bloodline uh, inside of their, uh, against their spine. Mm-hmm. And then I'll take uh, lemons and I'll stuff those lemons. I'll, I'll slice up a lemon and I'll stuff those lemons in there. I'll put Italian seasoning over the trout and inside. And then I'll stuff a couple cloves of garlic in there. And then I'll actually put green onions on top. And then I'll fold it up into mm-hmm. tin foil and I'll put it in the oven at 400 degrees for about 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And when it comes out, it is so, it is so full of juices and so, uh, it's got all the flavor of everything that was, that you put in there. And 
Oh, it, it is. It, it, it's a hard thing to explain. <laughs> <laughs> it's just and, pure heaven. Yeah, it's so it's so done that you can, or, and it's not overcooked that it's dry or anything. You can literally take your finger and stick it on the skin and pull the skin off with your finger or slide your fork underneath it. And you can pull the skin off with the fork. And then you get along that lateral line, you find the spine, you just pull it and the, everything just comes right out and you'll, you won't have a single bone in that fish. Mm-hmm. And you just sit there and chow down. It is so good. And my kids, uh, my kids love that. I, whenever I go trout fishing, they're all like, Oh, I want to go. And they'll go with me and, They'll help me catch the trout, and they're like, "Oh, we want to help you cook it too." <laughs> you know, <laughs> that is fantastic, man. Martin, man, I had a lot of fun tonight with this conversation here. It's yeah, like you, and I greatly appreciate coming on here. I got a shout out to Chris Vega from Downrange Outdoors to to introduce me to you. I got another, I got another one of his friends. I'm wait, I'm reaching out to him after our season ends because we both hunt similar counties and have late season. Yeah. So I want us to have that that last camaraderie, and then yeah. we're gonna get set down. Probably do a face to face with him, and we'll probably figure out some type of a good food to cook. But uh, man, I just had a blast. You dropped some major awesome knowledge. How can people find you the fastest? Um, all, all they have to do is uh go on Facebook and type in Enter Iowa's Outdoors, all one word. Um. It, it, and it'll usually pop up, but, um, if they find me on enter, I was outdoors LLC, um, on Facebook, uh, that's, that's me. Uh, or, or, and if you have a question, uh, we have staff for every single thing you could possibly do outdoors. Um, we have, uh, especially as far as hunting and fishing, we have staffers for fishing. We have staffers that, that do a lot of deer hunting, um, all types of deer hunting, uh, whether it's gun or bow. Um, we have guys that do waterfowl. Uh, we have ice fishing guys, you know, all of us are very well versed, um, in a lot of this stuff, but we have special people that specialize in it. Um, and that's one of the things that I wanted to do with Andrew and I was outdoors is bring a staff together that is an expert on everything, <laughs> you know? So I, any question will not go unanswered. So yeah, all, all you have to do is either, uh, message me directly, um, Martin, uh, enter E N N O R, um, on Facebook or, um, they can uh, look up Enter Iowa's Outdoors, and that'll that they can uh, contact me directly there too. That's awesome. Thank you again, Martin, and also thank you for your service to our country. And well. you have yourself an awesome night. And thank you guys for tuning in to another podcast. Thank Absolutely. you, everybody. Thank you, you're very welcome.